my beloved brothers and sisters, we praise Allah, we thank Allah, we praise, we thank, we lovingly appreciate Allah, and thus we say, Alhamdulillah, Nahmaduhu. We praise, we thank, we lovingly appreciate Him. Wanasta'inuhu, we seek His help. Wanastaghfiruhu, we seek His forgiveness. We believe in Him and we trust and rely upon Him. And we seek refuge with Allah from the wrong within ourselves and the wrong actions in our actions. And you and I know that whomever Allah guides, none can misguide. And whomever Allah lets astray, none can guide. And we bear witness that there is no ilah but Allah. There is no master but Allah. We are servants to none but Allah. There is no God but Allah. And we seek from Allah to shower his blessings upon his servant and messenger and many more, and many more, kathir and kathira. So, I ask you the same question I ask every single time I stand before you, but as you and I know, some huge things have happened in the past week. But again, take a look at yourself and ask yourself what is changing. So we've had this presidential election that just happened, and quite a few people across the country, including myself, are completely surprised by the result. And the number of office visits, calls, texts that I've had in the past few days have gone through the roof, understandably, of many of us who are, to put it plainly, terrified. What is going to happen? What is going to happen with our future? What's going to happen in America? What's the future of Muslims in America? Especially if, I, if I'm a sister who covers my hair, should I take off my hijab because I'm afraid someone's going to try to yank it off? because those are the stories that we're hearing, even in places where you wouldn't expect these things to play, take place, like across Illinois. And so in all of these cases, the first concern is to make sure we keep our senses straight, meaning we keep things in perspective, not allowing fear to take over, because that is the power of fear. Fear is one of those things that once you start letting it take over, it can run rampant through you and make you terrified and make you start behaving in ways that you would never have expected. But it is understandable. If you're afraid these days, it is completely understandable. It is completely justified. If you have trouble going to sleep out of fear, if you have fear of walking down particular streets, that is completely understandable and completely justified. There are some students who are even afraid to go to class. So having said that, one place to keep things in perspective 
is consider this campus a safe space. And I'm not saying this just because this is the mandate of the campus. That, rather, I'm saying just from having been here for nearly a decade, that you are, by and large, most likely very safe here on this campus. But if that's not enough for you, consider campus ministry right down the hall to be especially a very, very safe space if you just need to get away from everything, even if you just need to sit there. I'm very close with all of my colleagues there, and I can vouch for every single one of them. And if that's not enough for you, my office is very much uh, a safe space. And I may even, whenever I'm not in the office, I may even tell the, the, uh, the, the secretaries at the front desk that if a student wants to just come in and sit there, you're more than welcome to do so. Right? And if you need my number to text me, by all means, come up to me after prayer, and I'll happily give it to you. If you just need to text, and it's not just us. I'm getting texts from non-Muslims as well who are also terrified about what's going on. On the one hand, you have the Trump supporters who are in exhilaration, and on the other hand, you have the others who are literally terrified about what's gonna happen, if anything. So one place to keep things in perspective is regard the place that you're in to be a safe space. Inshallah, there's always the fear of those lone wolves, but that's the fear no matter what, whether Trump got elected or not. That was a fear three weeks ago, that was a fear 10 weeks ago. Those, if Allah wants it to happen, it's gonna happen. Don't even try to put your mind on those things. Another point to keep things in perspective is that this is a very, very big country. And what I mean by that is that, yeah, the president has some very huge powers, like the power of executive action, which allows the president to, to, to have an executive order and bypass everything. But even if the president is launching an executive action, it doesn't mean that everyone is going to go along with, even though they're legally mandated to. And what I'm saying is that the country is a complicated, complicated place, and the president-elect is gonna see this immediately as he starts his transition team, and he's especially gonna see this once he gets inaugurated. And what I'm saying there is that things will probably remain tense at least until inauguration, right? We have a whole bunch of people who are jumping with joy. The KKK has announced they're gonna have a celebration rally. And where, where my family lives in Orland Park, the KKK has been, has been recruiting there for already for the last few years. They're not even shy about it, right? Even though the KKK is trying, KKK is trying to rebrand, which is a, a funny topic for another time. But the point I'm making here is that, well, now, subhanAllah, I'm even losing my train of thought talking about all these things. But the point I'm making here is that when the president gets into office, he's going to be immersed in the issues of a population of 300-some million people, as well as these global issues. And while the intensity of all these things, I believe, will start to come down after inauguration, the president himself is going to also be consumed once inauguration happens. Meaning, you have all these people who are excited, their guy's in power. I actually think this will diffuse a lot of their anger because their guy's in power. But nevertheless, this president has behaved exactly the same way for the last 30 years. Nothing that has happened in the past year in terms of his rhetoric is anything new. He might say more crazy things. He might say more incendiary things. He might say more irresponsible things. And whenever we say the word might, 
the point I want you to think about, this might happen, this might happen, this might happen, the approach you and I should take to help keep things in perspective, number one, is that this might not happen. That might not happen. That might not happen. But if it does, we'll deal with it then. If something crazy happens, we'll deal with it then. When Y2K was happening, uh, many of you might even be too young to remember it, but there was this huge fear that all the computer systems were going to break down on the first minute of the first day of the 2000s, and you might remember why it's the way the, the programming was set up. And so we all had this fear of just spontaneous violence taking place. Okay. That the economy would crash, everybody would lose their minds, and then they'd go after the minorities. Okay. Nothing crashed, nothing happened. Right after 9-11, a year and a half after that, there was this huge fear among all of us, including in myself, that there would be this spontaneous violence taking place against all of us. I mean, I've mentioned to many of you that that fear that I had that night was like no fear I think I've ever had before or since. And it's this fear of just a spontaneous mass of people just looking for Muslim blood. Didn't happen. Individual events happened. My family, almost everyone in my family was hit with some sort of violence. Even my parents' house was, was vandalized by someone who thought he was serving his country, by a bunch of guys who thought they were serving their country. And what makes it all even more absurd is that the guy who, who vandalized my parents' house later applied for Homeland Security, and he used my parents as a reference. And then to make it even more absurd, absurd because my parents are polite, desi parents, they even gave him a good referral, but I don't think he got the job. And in any case, what I'm saying, my beloved brothers and sisters, is yeah, things may happen, but we've always repeatedly had this fear of mass violence suddenly taking place didn't happen after 9-11, it will most likely not happen now. Okay. I'm saying that with confidence. I'm not saying that to make yourselves feel better. That there is, I don't have a fear of mass violence suddenly taking place. Like I said, lone wolves, who really knows? Allah knows best. But there is a concern as we watch the president-elect set up his cabinet. And there is a concern to see what happens from there. And that is a serious concern. But I'm not telling you to cope with it through fear. That every moment that you feel fear, especially if you're feeling fear right now with me saying these things, you turn that moment of fear into a prayer. Two reasons. Number one, because it's a prayer. But number two, you will also find it to be therapeutic in tempering your fear. That if you're walking out of this building to your next class and you start feeling some tenseness, some fear that maybe someone's hiding behind a bush, maybe some other guys, maybe those guys who are walking by, they're going to jump on me, right? If you have a moment of fear, turn it into a dua. Or at the very least say, no, inshallah, things are going to be fine. Yes, something random may happen, but you deal with it then. You don't need to destroy yourself with fear and worry that something's going to happen, because that's not going to stop it. At least if you're feeling that, turn it into a prayer. And this is for everything. Every time you're feeling some serious pain in life, some serious fear for your grades, some serious fear because of other things that are taking place, turn that moment of fear into a prayer. Again, for two reasons. One, because it's a prayer that, inshallah, will be answered to your satisfaction. 
And number two, to temper yourself from losing your mind. But the bigger point, and you all know the bigger point in keeping things in perspective, is that our job here, our life here, is temporary. Our life here is all a preparation for the other side, which means what? As we've said many times, every single moment that I have in this life is what? An examination. How do I respond to what Allah Ta'ala is setting before me in every moment of my life? Whether it is the moment of sitting here in comfort, whether it is the moment of fear of the unknown, whether it's the moment that I have to put in effort, whether it's for my dunya or for my akhirah, then we get evaluated on the other side. And so what am I saying, my beloved brothers and sisters? If some ease is supposed to happen to us over the next four years, it was out of Allah's will, and we respond to it accordingly as servants of Allah in preparation for the Day of Judgment. And if something horrendous is supposed to happen to us in the next four years, we will deal with it as something Allah Ta'ala has put before us in preparation for the Day of Judgment. But I'm also saying we should remain optimistic, but we should also remain pessimistic, meaning we should be realistic. Because look at the condition of what's happening with our families in Palestine. Look at the condition of what's happening with our families in Syria. Ten years ago, did we think Syria was going to be like this, right? Look at what's been brewing in places like Turkey and such. The world's a mess. It's a big mess. But Allah Ta'ala is not going to give us anything we can't handle. But once again, if you feel fear, it is justified. Just don't let it consume you. And so first, let's take a moment to ask Allah Ta'ala for forgiveness and do it from the depths of your heart, and then we'll share a few more things. We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala and we seek blessings on the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Another technique, my beloved brothers and sisters, to help cope with the unknown of the future. Ask yourself, do you have fear? Are you living in fear that Allah Ta'ala is going to hit you with a disease? We have cancer survivors in this room, mashallah. Mashallah, because they survived. But ask yourself if you have that fear. Ask yourself if you have a fear that you're going to walk down the street, and I'm taking this paraphrase from the Quran itself, that you're going to walk down a street and a sinkhole is suddenly going to appear. Because it can happen. Go to Orlando. Orlando's full of sinkholes. Do you have that fear? If not, then you don't need to have a fear that something horrendous is going to happen to us. See what I'm saying? Because a sinkhole is just as realistic as any one of us being hit with a disease or any one of us being hit with a massive injury or all of us being put into camps. See what I'm saying? So either you have the choice of being in fear of everything, which means you wouldn't even be able to walk because of the fear, or you can take the approach that, SubhanAllah, I'm afraid, but inshallah, 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 things are going to be okay. Inshallah, 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 things are going to be okay. Even if you have to keep saying that to yourself. But what am I saying, my beloved brothers and sisters? There's a hundred thousand things around us 
that can happen at any moment to make us afraid, and they don't happen. And when they will happen, because every one of us will be hit with tests over the next four years, which maybe relate to politics, maybe relate to life on campus, maybe relate to life in our family, maybe related to our health. So you're gonna be hit with something. Something. Could be a car accident. It could be a disease. It will be most likely the death of a loved one, especially as you get older, and you deal with it when it happens. So what am I saying? One of the most important questions of dealing with life in dealing with the unknown is what do I do with my worry? Very often we've been conditioned in our society just to remain in a condition of worry just in case something will happen. I'm just going to remain worried. I'm just going to remain worried. And that makes you miserable. One of the joys of being a crusty old Pakistani uncle is that you've lived enough of life. You've seen, you've gone through test after test after test, big test after big test after big test. And by the time you get to be my age, mashallah, you realize, yeah, more tests are going to come. You're going to hate it. You're going to deal with it. But life is going to go on, right? And a test is when you're getting hit in a part of your life that you don't want to get hit in. Right? If you lose a sock, you're probably not going to care unless you really love those pairs of socks. Right? But all those places that are valuable for you, those are the places where you're going to get hit, and you'll deal with it. So what is one of, the, one of the core purposes of religion? It's to help you deal with life. It's to help you get through life. And I've made this point before, that in my experience, it's purely anecdotal. The people who seem to be best in dealing with the struggles of life are Muslims and Christians. This is no disrespect to people of other traditions. They also have their different methods. But in our society, Muslims and Christians seem to be the best in terms of just dealing with struggle because of how we teach our Islam. For all the dysfunction we have in how we teach our Islam, still we seem to manage to be able to get through life. If at the very least to understand that there's something bigger going on, that there is justice on the other side, even if some of these tyrants don't have to face it in this world, there is justice on the other side for them as well as for me. Or the simple thought that Allah is watching us, that Allah is the source of rahmah, that even the difficulties that I'm hit with are actually sources of rahmah. How? Because every time I'm hit with difficulty, even if it is worry, he's wiping away my sins like leaves falling from a tree. And so what am I saying, my beloved brothers and sisters? The same point of every khutbah in these moments, use it as a moment to get closer to Allah Ta'ala, especially to help you cope with what's happening especially to help you cope with this fear of the unknown. And there's another simple test. Think of how much fright you may have faced on Tuesday nights. Have you changed anything? Or what have you changed about your Islamic practice since then? What have you changed about the quality of your Islamic practice since then? That will tell you how much you are actually afraid. If you are actually afraid, then you'd be changing something. Because Allah Ta'ala is the one who is the one who is going to control the tests that happen to us, and Allah Ta'ala is the one that we run to when we have fear. That's the wonderful thing about how dunya works and how our relationship with Allah works. When you fear something in dunya, you run away from it. When you fear Allah, you run to Allah. When you fear Allah, you run to Allah. In the dunya, when you fear something, you run away. So ask yourself, have you run at all towards Allah in the past few days? If the answer is no, then fear is not what you're actually experiencing right now. You're experiencing something else. Maybe you're telling yourself to be afraid at some deep level. Think about it. It's a very, very serious question. 
because I have to keep reminding myself, Allah is the one who controls what will happen to me. So if he's the one who is going to control what happens by way of this new political structure, then he is the one that I turn to to give me ease through it. And again, speaking as someone who's gone through this and this and this and this, we'll deal with it when it comes. You'll love being in your 30s, inshallah. I say this over and over again. You're going to love being in your 30s because all these things that make you worry right now, you're going to realize most of those you didn't have to be worried about. And you will love, inshallah, being in your 40s even more. Because then, especially if you're Pakistani, you're just going to stop caring about a lot of these things. And I'm not saying that it's criticism of being Pakistani. I'm saying it's one of the awesome things. I wish all of you could have it, but I'm sorry. No, this is one of the blessings of getting deeper in your relationship with Allah Ta'ala. But that's an advice I can give you. That's not an advice I could give to somebody in Syria, obviously. That's not an advice that I can give to someone in Gaza, obviously. But those are different conversations. So now, let me remind you of someone who has faced more struggle than any of us, who buried five of his children, who buried six of his children in his lifetime. And imagine even the struggles of his daughter, peace be upon him, his daughter, may Allah uh, uh, be pleased with her, Fatima Zahra. She is in her lifetime burying her siblings, one after the other. Think about what they're experiencing. And when the Prophet, peace be upon him, is calling the people of Mecca, he is calling people to something that he believes is better for them. They all know it's better for them. He's calling his cousins and his cousins are recognizing his truth, they are recognizing the truth of his message, and they're still saying no, to the point that they're even attacking his followers, to the point that they even try to kill him, to the point that they even declare war against him. What am I saying, my beloved brothers and sisters? As bad as things might be for us, it's still not gonna compare to that, and he still persisted, and you and I also can, inshallah, together. So what does Allah Ta'ala tell us about him in the Qur'an? إِنَّ اللَّهَ وَمَلَائِكَتَهُ يُسَلُّونَ عَلَى النَّبِيِّ يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا صَلُّوا عَلَيْهِ وَسَلِّمُوا تَسْلِيمًا اللهم صل على محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه وبارك وسلم O oh Allah, we call upon you with all of your names to shower your blessings upon the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and upon his family and upon his companions and extend the blessings and peace upon them. Rabbana atina fid dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa qina adhabanar. Our Lord, our cherisher, our sustainer, grant us the best of this life and the best of the hereafter and protect us from the fire. And do not make us a test for those people who have already rejected you. And O turner of hearts, turn our hearts to your obedience. And if we have any rancor against any of our brothers and sisters, guide us to wash it out of our hearts and please make our footsteps firm against anything that comes forth our way. And please remind us that you will not give us anything that we cannot handle. And for those of us who can't stop looking at our phones, Ya Allah Ta'ala, please uh, give us the strength to look at reality and to be present. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati yamma yisifun, wassalamun ala al-mursaleen, walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Qadeem as-salam.